Welcome to the Table to TV podcast. I am your host, Justin, and today we have another guest. It seems like every other week I got a guest, but today uh, we have Jake Camps. He's a friend of mine from work, and uh, he's also a board game creator, and he also goes to conventions and whatnot and demos the board games. So, first of all, how are you doing, Jake? How was work? Um. Work was work, and uh, as you said, I am a board game designer, so right now, um, the work is not very exciting. Right. That's a bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're just going to get right into it. Um, so, first of all, like, what, what got you into uh, tabletop gaming in, in general? Yeah, that's a, that's a good story. So, um... I discovered the show on YouTube, which is now um, not uh, currently uh, airing, but uh, you can find old seasons of Tabletop hosted by Will Wheaton. Okay. And that was um, my exposure to new games. And uh, I remember in high school uh, being like, why would I play a board game when I could play a video game? I don't know, but um, once I discovered that they had... Uh, new games coming out every year of all different types, and it's not just the the traditional uh, classic or moldy oldies, whatever you want to call them. Then uh, I felt like uh, Ash Ketchum. I wanted to try them all, <laughs> and then I realized that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was my first exposure to that. So they're Will Wheaton then. See, like, the last guest that I had on, um, my buddy Roy, he also got into board games through watching something Will Wheaton was doing. Um, they were playing Ticket to Ride. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that was actually one of the first modern board games that I played. Now, um, uh, they had also introduced me to Catan, but um by the theme i was more interested in uh ticket to ride and that's some of my family's both of those are some of my family's favorite games and um that was uh that's still a good gateway game to bring people into the hobby in fact real quick because we were on that subject i uh i have a cool story where i got to uh go to one of the colleges around here in the area i can't remember which um in ohio had uh, Will Wheaton speaking as a as a guest, and I got to meet him, and um, I had him sign this uh, Sheriff of Nottingham booklet uh, from a game he played on the series. And then later on at Origins, I got to meet uh, Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower, and uh, and I had him sign this because this is um sponsored by his uh the dice it's in the Dice Tower Essentials line, okay. and. Uh, he also signed this, and he told me a funny story that um, he played Will Wheaton at this and beat him. And so he <laughs> wrote on there, uh, Tom Vassell beat Will Wheaton on, on uh, if you could see it up close. But, uh, yeah, I got a kick out of that. Well, I always uh, wondered why he didn't, like, maybe bring him on the same show, unite him, like, bridge the gap. But I started with Tabletop on learning about it, moved my way to Dice Tower to feel like like I was getting educated on on all that's out there and from there on it was trying trying new games and and uh and then at some point you get to creating them also before tabletop i all i kind of knew for like new games were like what we would call lifestyle games 
like Dungeons and Dragons right, or yeah. Magic. For me, it was this little game called Lunch Money, which is just like a take that player versus player game where there's some storytelling involved. And Catchphrase, that electronic game. Now, that's not really board game, right? But that was kind of like my first exposure. And then it was Lunch Money. And then Hero Clicks, which was okay. like collectible miniature war game. Yeah, I've the, seen demos of that. With the ever-changing rules updated. Like, that was my lifestyle game. And then I realized when I found out Tabletop, and I'm like, I expanded beyond those. And I was like, oh, not every game has a rule book that you need to, like, reread every year because they change it and stuff. And right. Yeah. So I kind of got away from collectible games. Right. We'll go ahead and after the uh, after we're done recording here, we'll take a picture of your book there and we'll put it on the Instagram. That way, people who are just listening to the audio version can see it. Yeah, I think what got me into tabletop games was well, like I played Dungeons and Dragons, but okay, so like Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop game, but we very seldomly played it at the table because my group at the time didn't have one. So, like, the Dungeon Master sat on his bed with all of his stuff, and we were just all kind of sitting Indian-style on the floor. So I guess it was a floor game, <laughs> more now, so than anything else. I think it would, uh, it may not have bothered you then, but I think getting up from that game would have oh, been difficult God. now. <laughs> I, can, I can't get up off the floor now. I'm only 31, man. <laughs> but um, as far as, like, playing, like, uh, actual like board games that aren't just role playing games. Um, the first one that I played was Betrayal at the House on the Hill for the modern game. Yeah, it'd be funny if you started out in kindergarten playing that. You're right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, like I played, I played stuff like Monopoly, and um, and I got a story about Monopoly in a minute, but uh, but like Sorry and I'm shoots sorry. and shoots and ladders and <laughs> like I played all that stuff, but like. Uh, I guess, like, I'll tell my Monopoly story now because that's how I met my friend group that I play with. Um, so They're my... still friends after playing Monopoly? <laughs> we became friends from playing Monopoly. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, my wife, which she was, well, she's not my wife anymore, but my she was my girlfriend at the time. She bought me Zelda Monopoly for my birthday. And I lived in this duplex over in Portland, uh, Portland, Indiana, not wherever the famous Portland is. Oregon, I think. It's not Oregon. Um, not Trailblazers here. No, we are not. Um, I lived in this duplex, and my a guy that was closest to my age, he, he's a little younger than me, um, I finally got him to try this game out with me. Because I wasn't about to play Monopoly by myself. And um, when he came over, he brought a couple of his other friends with him. And we played like three or four games of Monopoly, which took probably about 16 hours. Because, <laughs> like, we don't, you know, we play it till the end, you know. <laughs> Man, that sounds like one D&D like, campaign, or well, maybe at well, least one, one session. Yeah, but... like the, the last man standing, basically, is how we play Monopoly. We don't do the time limit. We don't do. Like, no, we are sitting here, we are playing Monopoly until everybody but one person is bankrupt. <laughs> you didn't do free parking, did you? <laughs> no. I would have thought you would have with a game that long. Maybe we did. I don't remember. <laughs> but it was Zelda Monopoly, so there wasn't really free parking. I don't I don't uh... remember what the free parking space is for Zelda Monopoly. 
free breaking pots. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but when we played, after we played that, we, be, we played Betrayal at the House on the Hill, which is a tile, or, tile exploration game. And all these spooky events happen. And yeah, that that and that was the first one I ever played. And then, same as you, after I played that one, uh, I had to play more. I think uh, Lords of Waterdeep came after that. And I don't have as big a collection as some other people, but it, it's getting there. So, um, we you were telling me about the making these board games, and you and you showed me demos at, at, in the break room before. So, uh. So what what kind of got you wanting to do that, and what's your like thought process when you're going to create these games? So um, I had mentioned catchphrase and lunch money uh, because they tied in a little bit to um, to my first uh, one of my first prototypes. I can't remember if it was my very first, but it might. Um, and it's. Interesting you brought up role-playing, too, because that had a small factor. Now, I was introduced to that different than most people. It wasn't through D&D. It was online, and it was uh, an X-Men role-playing game. Oh. And uh, I don't know. I started reading that. That was maybe one of my first real forays into like fanfic territory. But people, each player could only control one player, and they couldn't control other people. Just like if you would need in D&D and the parties, you know people would ride around what other people do and it's cooperative. And I read that thing from when I found it to the morning. And then like, I, I wrote myself into the story. I didn't just like walk in and be like, hi, a new travelers arrived or a new mutant came home to the X mansion in this uh, sense. But I like wrote myself behind uh, events that were happening. Like there was an explosion. I said, you know, and I'd write the character. In. But anyway, so that made me think like, how does one play a storytelling game with other people or tell a story with other people when you're not doing like D&D or not stuck at a computer or keyboard? Um, and so that was my kind of my experience with role playing, but that kind of got me in that headspace. And then I remember having a lot of fun before with catchphrase and that, you know, you're passing it around and, and it's timer. And so I kind of, and actually, now I remember it, I actually had a dream that the, the idea kind of came together. Yeah, so I had a dream where that kind of came together. And um, and so I remember hearing that authors before have had dreams that spawn their idea. And so I was like, huh, maybe there's something to that. Maybe I need to make it. And that actually is kind of what led me to get that ball rolling. And... Uh, and I had played Mad Gabs, right? But I, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so I took my idea and I Googled um, if there was anything like that. And I found Once Upon a Time, which there is a version of that played on a tabletop episode. So this is all coming full circle. But um, on, now on that episode, though, I think they, they play different than I would. They try and coax people to say certain things so that they could get the opportunity to take over the story. and. Um, Anyway, the the way they played it was a little different, I think, than the spirit of the game intended. Just a little caveat there. But I found Once Upon a Time, oh, a storytelling game. This is, uh, I got excited and I ordered it. And um, after playing it, um, while there were parts of it I liked, 
it wasn't exactly what I had hoped it to be. It didn't do everything I wanted it to be. It was a little limited by theme. It was like fantasy only. And um, I had a bad, it was good for me, but I'm sure it was a bad ex- gaming experience for other people. It was less than ideal, I'd say, because I had a moment where I actually took over the game. Basically, I was able to tell a whole story in, basically in my turn. Now, thinking of it, I, we might have played a, a rule wrong that later on I caught, but still, I was able to to make it through a, much of a story, um, any rule problem or not. Um, and so I saw that as an issue with the game. So I decided I'd make my own storytelling game, and that was my first prototype is story time. Yeah, I think you showed me that in the break room. Like, I think it was when we were still uh, on the sea ship together. I remember you bringing in these uh, little slips of paper with like some little scenarios or something on them. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I remember you bringing that in to me. Um, but here lately, you've been uh, doing more of these economy-style games. So tell me about that. Oh, yeah, I sure have. Um, so... Yeah, so with the storytelling uh, game, I kind of told you what inspired that, um, and then why I wanted to make my own. Like, if you played something and, and it didn't do what you wanted it to. Now, there's, a, there's a, another thing I'll get to that, but it relates to this also. So these economic games, um, my first idea for that was I called it Pay Up, and I pretty much threw the kitchen sink at it. I was just like, okay, we have Monopoly, but and and there's other games, but a lot of them are either too complex or too simple, and they often just like are throwing unrealistic amounts of money, throwing you in that type of a situation. And I was like, what about a game that teaches people, like, or exposes you to the concepts early on, so you grasp and get a good handle on it, and then. Um, a game where you can, if you know about these concepts, that you can sort of experiment with them so that it's like educational and experimental, kind of a simulational. And uh, so, yeah, I tried to throw in the kitchen sink on that. And um, I, I brought it and tested it at a, play tested it at a um, unpub uh, room event. Um, and that's for like prototyping and whatnot at uh, Origins. Um, game fair in Columbus, Ohio, the second biggest uh, board game convention in uh, the U.S. And we're fortunate to be right in between Gen Con and Indianapolis, which is the largest yeah. to the west, and then and then the second uh, to our west um, in Ohio. But so and so, some feedback I got from that was um, they're like maybe like make the theme something a little more fun or. Uh, something so i didn't feel like i was doing my taxes or homework (laughs) (laughs) and uh so even though that frustrated me a little bit or i was disappointed maybe in his reaction um i didn't get a whole lot of uh, play testing on that time with that there so i didn't have a lot to go from but i took what i what uh, they gave me and you know i considered it and um um it's good not to be like uber defensive or married to it and um i took that and as you know i uh that led to a um a second 
I I'd say almost like a 2.0, a uh, redesign, um, a newer idea. Uh, I called it Mini Millionaire, where I streamlined a lot of what was in pay up, or I took modules uh, from it, and and then I added. I did make one or two new things, but I I streamlined a lot of it, and I took some stuff out, and it's um it's more palatable. I I, I made it now, so instead of being like real life theme with pay up, where I was starting to make like the high school like variant mode to play it in to where in mini millionaire we're all like grade school kids and like we're given money like as allowance or or something like that you know for those who do that <laughs> and then and then we um make it grow uh or or utilize it and whoever has the most at the end wins so that was uh mini millionaire how that um came out now with pay up i did want to say that like i had played it with a friend of mine's uh, 13 year old kid and um he he learned some stuff from it and he actually won that game funny story i actually went bankrupt on it because i didn't take out insurance uh and then i had a, a bad thing happen and i um yeah and i was just so averse that i went bankrupt so anyway that's how serious that game was but uh <laughs> there's no insurance in mini millionaire so in in these um economic games um are they intended to be educational or is it just that or is it just so happened to be the theme like say monopoly like monopoly obviously doesn't represent what a real monopoly is so like are you trying to like teach while entertaining or is it just like a theme yeah i found that that's what i i think that's a challenge that i found myself in is I really actually was trying to teach by experience. I, I feel that's a, a good way to learn or, um, and I realized that oftentimes, uh, you can come out with something that is educational or fun. And I'm actually trying to make both. Right. Um, I have nieces and nephews and, and growing up, our parents didn't really, um, well, they weren't too, uh, financially savvy. And, um, and then, so then, um, when we got into that, my brother is younger and I actually kind of was getting to that and I was like, well, I need to catch up, you know? And, uh, but I actually did find it interesting. And so then like, we kind of want to help, you know, uh, be a positive change with our family in that regard. And, and I want to get my nieces and nephews interested, but it's challenging because sometimes they're not, and you can't like force them to, and right. it's like, I made this mainly for you but you know i also play it with gamers and um so yeah like if it came down to like business type model like who my target gamers is it's kind of both it's young adult students but it's not like for kid like maybe younger kids to grasp it but i doubt it. it's more like medium to uh to adult you know that's how i kind of shot for there okay then because like the way finances are taught in public schools is so completely outdated and a lot of it is just straight up wrong so in to find entertaining ways to get that information across to a teenager or young adult is kind of important that way like you know like people like me and you we learned how things ran in the fucking 50s and then when we became adults, nothing works like that. I don't even have a. I don't even use a checkbook 
I keep a checkbook because sometimes I need to set up a direct deposit. That's it. <laughs> right. I've never balanced a checkbook once in my life. <laughs> it was surprisingly difficult. Maybe it was because I was standing on a ball, but I know what you mean. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> to have having a having a a way to sort of get that information across could be you useful for a lot of people so um now you went to these um conventions um i i know you told me about the one in columbus you you won an award of some kind tell me about that yeah so um during covid there's a youtube channel called ito's game reviews um or gaming with ito it's been titled both he's uh i believe the ceo um of pencil first games and he did a stay at home or a stuck at home game design contest and um so he said there's just a few rules i don't want anything related to pandemic though it is a popular co-op game he's like i don't want anything that's representing this real life this is supposed to be an escape and uh you know i think he gave just a couple month design time and I happen to have been coming up with an I the germ of an idea um right before I saw that. And so I just kinda committed myself to that. And um it came up with this pirate game called Tharby Treasure. And um I remember you showing me that one in the break room. Another little quick funny story there. Uh when I was at origins um i've been previous uh multiple years um i met grant from or jason i think it's grant yes from the ghost hunters taps and he has apparently has a board game company called rather dashing games and um i gave him a uh sell sheet um it's sort of like a sort of like a uh a concert flyer in a way for a board game uh to um promote uh or let people be aware of your product. And I gave that to him for story time. And he said, oh, he loves the sound of it already. Well, when I came up with Darby Treasure, I had my first idea for the name was X Marks the Spot. But I Googled on Board Game Geek and found that that name was already taken by Rather Dashing Games for a pirate <laughs> game I didn't even know about. So I was like, huh, we're on a similar wavelength. But then I came up with the name Darby uh, Treasure. and um. So, yeah, I submitted the game to, uh, to uh, we had to upload it as a print-and-play game on a Google Drive. And, um, and he printed out, uh, Ido printed out all the games and played them all. And then uh, he uh, made another video um, giving winners. Now, he originally intended to give five winners, but he said he had over 100 submissions, and he ended up giving 10. I did not get the grand prize, but I did get a cash prize. And uh, he gave me uh, for best print and play. Um, there was a best overall game, but I was just happy to be mentioned. And Right, yeah. That's, yeah. that's still a big deal. I want to circle back to like you uh, making the games real quick for a minute because I, I forgot to ask you. So what do you use, what kind of materials do you use as placeholders since all, you, you obviously don't have like figurines and, and like boards with with artwork and all that stuff for your prototypes some of them some of them yeah so um yeah so story time started out just on index cards and it's just text now 
part of that was um and then i had many different over over the years i've had different themes like originally i wanted like a comic book type theme what i've kind of settled on now is like a, a live theater theme and um i've actually considered maybe changing the name to showtimed because of that but things is i i've again went on bgg and found that there's a game called showtime oh i might still do showtimed but anyway um sorry what did you say materials that you're using okay. to actually physically create your board games. Thank you. So, um, if a game, I, I learned this, I believe from the Dice Tower, but when a, um, a publisher picks up a game, they can retheme it, you know, get uh, commission new art, and so it doesn't maybe make a lot of sense. But to commission a lot of art oh, okay. on, on a game, you know, on a prototype, or especially you might um make some aspect of a game and let's say you you finish that part right but then you end up cutting it or changing it and then that time and expense is uh ultimately it's kind of a, a lost cause of waste so um i kept that in mind um i like art i used to want to be a comic book artist um but it's funny when it comes to prototyping game uh design i'm off just trying to get uh, uh get it in motion, getting it played, getting it uh, tested, and I'm just throwing it out what I have. Now with Darby Treasure, I made a lot of um, thumbnail sketches and and uh, some uh, some quick drawings. Um, some of it was colored, some of it wasn't, but um, but that worked. Um, now with Mini Millionaire, I uh, I did draw like a board for um. I got lazy. I, I put out some paper and then as just to test it. And then I was going to like redraw it on, on, um, poster board. And, uh, and then I like, I taped the seams like, but, um, I ended up just, um, like gluing the edges of the paper to the poster board. Cause I didn't want <laughs> to take the time to redo it. But at some point, um, it's, it's nice to pres have a, a nicer looking finished product presentable to, the publishers like on pitches like at a, a game designer speed pitch which i'd recommend people doing if they're interested and have prototypes if they're able to at a gen con or a origins game fair for example um but that's not the biggest thing like if you want to go on kickstarter and and you're getting trying to get crowdsourcing people like to see a more finished product and so it would pay to if you're publishing it by all means, you want to have good art and and things like that. But it's kind of funny when you think of it. Um, Kickstarter is actually kind of meant for someone like me that's trying to get their product project printed and created and out there, mm -hmm. and, and not so much for like the Simons that are like dominating the industry with their miniature games. But um, but yeah, if you look at the two, um. Uh, project campaigns they're going to see vastly different because one's an established business that really may not need to use that mode uh, um, for their business and then the other is just uh, um, a starting uh, entrepreneur or um, you know uh, game designer so so yeah anyways I, it's kind of funny that I just see that you know art takes money and you might yeah. not have it and then uh, what if it doesn't get funded so it is an investment in that regard. I, I think I'm just cheap. 
Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. So, like, do you have some, like, um, uh, go-to items that you use for your, like, I know you, you probably use index cards a lot. You probably use poster board a lot. But, um, like, do you, like, go out and buy, like, beads or something to substitute as, like, playing pieces or something like that? Yeah, those glass beads for aquariums are great. I When I bought um some packs of those, it was funny. The cashier uh was like, these aren't for aquariums, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got me. Um. But yeah, and then you can um you can uh cannibalize uh pieces from uh games you don't use anymore, repurpose them. Um um you know, you can Google um free clip art, free art and but sometimes I wonder how, you know, free they really are. You can always um write um for demo purpose only or um Right. Placeholder just, art yeah, on place the card. Art, yeah. Yeah. For uh, any company or something. Because, like, if a publisher is going to reskin your game anyway to what they want, then having placeholder just pick, pixel art or something, just, you rip off of Google, is probably not such a big deal. Mm hmm. And now, um, if you ha are lucky enough to have access to a 3D printer, that's great. Um, I've, I've gone old school and, you know, uh, drawn things and, and uh pasted them on the cardboard and cut cardboard out and um uh you know you can use um any sort of word processing thing or um any apps online like if you're gonna get uh technical or artsy or whatever you could use like gimp and and um uh ink space and and things like that um if you have adobe you know page maker and and uh photoshop and all that but um you can even use um for lighter, um, more rudimentary, basic, simple stuff, you could use like Microsoft Word or um, uh, Google Docs, even. Um, and so, there are times where I will, um, and I like to get down to making a digital file so that I can make um, other copies, print it out, or send them, or put them on um, uh, online for print and play, or send them to a company that way, or whatever. But um, sometimes I, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go online and make all those circles or oval spaces on the board and then print them out. But, it, um, I don't have access to it maybe at that moment. This happened before with like, I was out of printer ink or something or photo paper. I ran out of for a, a prototype before I was making it. And then I just start like just drawing it on paper. Anyway, like, I know it's going to take me longer, but at least I'll get it done. So sometimes it's a balance of, you know, just work life. Uh, free time balance. So what you want to do? Um, tabletop simulator uh, has been good for people to um, recreate their game online for people to play. And companies, you can send that to them, and they can try it that way. And um, I purchased the software, and I've yet to teach myself how to do that or uh, scan everything and put it into that. That's something I want. I mean to get to. Um, that would be a next step, and I. Yeah, I was just about to bring up Tabletop Simulator, actually, and you kind of answered my question about if you've ever really used something like that to uh, get your game out to the public. Not well, yet. Well, I guess, have you ever actually, like, played any games on it yet, though? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. And I've seen um, I've seen people that I, um, well, I had the pleasure of meeting, but, like, through other YouTube channels and whatnot that have put their prototypes on there, and got published uh one of the 
first ones that was coming to my mind was Roy from the Dice Tower. They made a game called Last Light, and uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I use I usually use the uh, Tabletop Simulator to play games that I can't be bothered with the mess. So like, if I want to play like something like Cards Against Humanity, I'll do it on Tabletop Simulator because those decks are huge. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I I just don't want to. Like, it's such a hassle to shuffle all those cards, and then, like, somebody shakes the table, and then you got a whole stack of cards that fall over, and then you got to clean them up. I'm like, this is just easier on Tabletop Simulator. Let's just do that. <laughs> yeah, and then you can try games, like, there are a lot of fan-made games of, um, of, uh, of games that, if you haven't tried, that is a way to, um do that online. Um, there's official ones, and then there's fan-made ones, uh, I can't remember the the name of that app. Is it um? I can't remember. There's a there's a one of the functions in it. Um, in it, but like the back, the basement, or um, wallpaper. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Oh, okay. It's okay though. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So you could use Tabletop Simulator for that, and then another great um, but not for prototyping, but uh, a, a way to play games online is Board Gamer. I'm not familiar with that. Check it out. It's free. There is a paid um, tier where there's access to more um, content, but that's a, that's a good way to play with people online. Try something new. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Roll20? Yeah. What do you think about that? I haven't watched it. Uh, I can't say I've... I've seen it. I haven't really watched it. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I think that type of thing's interesting. You watch uh, people get together and and uh play games and just the dynamics and this is it's kind of it's kind of like tabletop simulator in, in a way but it's more geared towards role-playing games oh i was thinking of a youtube show oh no 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 I, i'm talking about um roll 20 i don't remember if it's a dot com or a dot org but it, it it's kind of like tabletop simulator but it's more geared towards like role-playing games um me and our mutual friend uh, CJ, we played some Pathfinder on there uh, a little bit. I played some Dungeons and Dragons on there. Okay, I haven't had experience with that. It's it's kind of cool because like you know, like have you ever played the old D and D games like uh, Baldur's Gate and 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 um like on PC? Oh no, but I know of them. Um, so I think I played a little bit of Diablo, but that's, so like you know, you you know how like. The room is like black, but it it's only but it's lit up for your line of sight. Yeah, yeah. Roll twenty does that, like Zelda ish. Well, not not really, not really. But basically, roll twenty does that. Where like if you're if you're in a room, and there's another there's there's a doorway and another room, you can't see that other room. It's it's all black until you go in there, and then like whatever your characters like low light vision or whatever it is it, it it'll light up the room to that radius i think that's really cool for that um because like when you're playing um dungeons and dragons on the tabletop it's kind of hard to simulate that sure yeah um i i don't think i got any more uh what what's your what's your favorite game you're playing right now um i haven't <laughs> had uh too much exposure to newer games lately uh like you sometimes it's hard with uh 
work schedule and other people's, especially around the holidays, yeah. to meet up and and uh, try new games. I have some um, friends that have new games that uh, I'm fortunate to try sometimes. The newest one I've played recently was um, Marvel United. Um, okay. It's like a co-op game. Um, is that the uh, deck, is that the deck building game? No. Um, oh, okay. I'm thinking of something. There's a Marvel, that is there. There's a Marvel deck building game. I'm yeah, thinking of. That's Marvel Champions. I think oh, okay. you're thinking of, and that's by the same company. Actually, yeah. wait, no, that's Fantasy Flight. But those are like two big ones that are kind of in the hold similar place in my head. Base, but um, that was the newer one I got. Um, recently I got uh, well, recently it's been months ago. I got uh expansion for. Uh, Arcadia Quest, the Arcadia Quest pets as like these little it's almost like Pokemon where they can level up and you can give them items and, and it adds expansion uh, tiles to your um, maps that um, you can make different setup for scenarios and whatnot. and um, that's a real that's one of my more favorite games originally I was turned off to it because it was like a little bit of a shibby art like a little cutesy art even though the art was good but when I played it, um, it was a lot of fun. And I was like, oh, this is almost like a Hero Clicks light. Uh, so oh, okay. full circle there. And uh, so Pets adds another aspect to that where you're not just controlling your party members, um, but you get to move around their little pets and then they can like level up and you can give them, uh, you have items and then some of them can get, like your favorite one can get treat items or whatever. Uh, now that's an interesting game too because it's, um, uh, kind of a cross between a dungeon crawler and a player versus player. Um, there are different. You can play it one shot, but you can. There's a like a scenario map where you can like work your way through the outside levels and then the inside levels, and then you get to the final boss, and you can um, draft and like kind of level up the items you use for your characters in the game as you go. And um, I just like uh, Eric Lang's the designer for that, and he made some interesting. Uh, I, I just like some of his design choices. Like I, growing up, I like to play Risk, minus the length. Uh, same <laughs> yeah. for Monopoly, right? But um, uh, with uh, Arcadia Quest, it's player versus player, like Hero Clicks. But then there are uh, monsters on the board, and they're sort of like when you play Risk two player. I believe you're supposed to have um like a neutral army in there, but they don't do nothing. Well, in this game, like when you get around their space, they can interact. Like so, the other player would control them, and um, and then uh, they just to win an arcade quest, you um have objectives in each scenario, and then you have your player versus player. But you can't get all your victory points from just one or the other. You kind of gotta share it, and um, and then to draft and upgrade your equipment at the end you use uh coins collected and like so if you're a monster and you defeat an opponent uh, like everyone gets a coin except the guy that died i believe is how it works or or the person that did the kill gets a coin i can't recall but so yeah there's just a lot of little things that i i thought worked well with it and and, and make it fun um it's a dice chucker and i like that um so something i uh i wanted to add in uh, you had asked um, earlier about kind of what inspires you to to make what you make. Mm -hmm. I learned that, or I realized that often what I was doing is I was making a game that I necessarily might not like, 
in a way that I would like it. So, I like tactical games and uh, strategic games. Though I feel handicapped as in I, my brother, like when it comes to chess or whatever, he's like thinking steps ahead. Like he's probably uh, fewer more than that steps ahead where me, I'm more of like a checkers-ish type player where I'm just like uh, uh, more tactical, I guess. I, I want to um, react to after what's happening. I'm, I might think a few, a couple or a few steps ahead, but that's usually all my headspace is because I start to AP if I have a plan and it got uh, thwarted. Um, and then I kind of got a, I just want to make a smart, clever move, I guess. And, um, I'm, I really just play to have fun. I really just like the experience, but of course I do still try to win. I, I want it. Um, so that can make me AP a bit. Well, I say that because like story time, for example, that's more storytelling is kind of like an activity. And then what I was doing that is trying to make it storytelling and a game like uh an act not just an activity because oftentimes you get one or the other it's like a game that has a story to it or you're telling a story but there's no game to it and then i'm trying to make it almost like in that game where the storytelling is the game and uh so there's a little bit of challenge with that i also don't like real subjective games uh what i mean it'll take for you said uh cards against humanity for example mm -hmm. so well let me let me that would work with this, but let me reframe it to apples to apples because this right. happened. You play a card as like a historical event. I have that exact card. Like uh, this happened. I don't remember what it was, but it was like um, American president or whatever and have like Abraham Lincoln or something. like. That. And they chose someone else's card because it was humorous or funny and i'm like yeah. i have a factually and historically accurate right. card here this is mine i'm robbed and so if there's no real like basis um to go by um yeah so i don't like that and so trying to make a game that's a storytelling game make it where it's not you uh you're playing the judge or or the people um that takes some uh some work and balance that was a challenge there and then when it came to Darby Treasure. I was making originally a game where you're burying three. You have six cards, three jars of dirt, three treasure, or three cans of sand. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you're putting it down, and then if everyone after everyone buries them, and you're only putting two on an island, there's three islands, so you could have any combination. I don't know what two cards you put there. There's a little bit of bluff type involved there. But uh, then it was by memory, and with some random pirate action cards that cause things like a mutiny where you can cut a stack of cards and move part of that stack to another island, that can get a little random, where before you might have had a handle on where cards were. So, and I don't always, I don't really love memory games. Like, yeah, those memory tile yeah. games, that's not my, my jam. So, um, so then I came up with the idea of a treasure map, where you actually record as you play your card face down on your map or a post-it note for the time being now printed, I'd probably want it to be dry erase or wet erase um, or just a bunch of sheets of, um, of map that you tear out and throw out. But, um, but you record it like X marks, the, X marks the spot for a treasure or uh, you draw a dash for a black flag for a pirate action card or a zero for a jar or something like that. So I made an, a memory game a non-memory memory game where you didn't have to. So 
So I, I did things like that. So I've, I've noticed that I do, with my game designs, I often was either taking something and doing it in a way that I would like it, or maybe I wouldn't. Or lately, as you had pointed out, I was um, trying to create something that wasn't just uh, a game or wasn't just like an activity or a learning experience and kind of meshing the two things. Because why recreate what's already been created? That's like, I've, I have, I've had, um, I remember, I think we chatted with you before uh, on like the Dragon Prince, for example, is a IP I like. Unfortunately, I'm not loving this new season. But I did enjoy the show. And uh, they made a Battle Charge game recently, which is like, I hate to say it again, but it's sort of like a, a Heroclix, like player versus player type game. But I felt thematically something more like a dungeon crawl or co-op would be more uh, representative of that. And so I, I was coming up with ideas for that, right? And now that's fine for if I just want to make it for me for fun. But I hear that IPs are expensive. And coming some amateur no name um un yet published, but I'll say future published. I'm expecting I'm hoping that all of my games or uh at least some of them will get published at some point. Um that that is a harder thing to do. It's easier to come up with an, an original IP. Um so because of the money involved with IPs and whatnot. So yeah. unless I just want to do it for me for the heck of it. And I've seen people do that, like fan um, versions, like where they took a game like the Minion and they like reskinned it to be like Marvel cards or whatever, like before Marvel Legendary came out. Right. Um. So. So I might have those ideas, but I I haven't moved forward with that. There's definitely, uh, ideas I haven't got to that I don't want to forget about, and I've made notes on, and it's easy to like pump them out, like when I'm inspired to, but if I sit on it too long. Uh, I guess it's probably like anything. Your inspiration can kind of go down on it. And then getting that out, um, it's harder. Like I look back at an expansion idea I had for the RB Treasure, which would take it from what we talked about and, and add um, some like safaring events because you'd have a little ship and you could do some combat. And I wanted like an alternative win condition to be like the last boat standing. I want to call it the RB Pirates. So you could play them separate. If you put them together, it'd be like the RB Pirate Treasure. Mm -hmm. Um but um, if I did that, I'd probably take out, like, try and shorten the original game a bit, you know, because I think it would go longer with expansions. Often that type of thing can happen. But I look back at the notes, and I remember I wrote, I wrote down a lot of stuff, and I remember some of it, but I know there was stuff I forgot. Now, maybe the good stuff will stick, and then when I, if I get back to it, then new things will come, and, like, at the best days, it'll be, I'll be better off for it, or maybe they'll come back to me, but that's, that's one thing I noticed is striking while the iron is hot and then just getting it out and play tested because I know I've had some game ideas I've sat on and how I'd make them now would be different than maybe back then. But, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, you, you learn as you go and, um, I can sit and think things out. And I did that with mini millionaire after that experience at the, um, I, I thought about it while working, like when I had, time to work and that's one nice thing about some uh of what we do is there are times where you don't have too much uh mental you don't have to devote yeah. too much um thought to uh, an action some of what we do with work so then i was able to like mull over uh the idea for that and so i pumped that game out like on a weekend and um and then i like revisited it the next weekend but there are some games where um 
where it takes longer. Um, but I got that prototype out quick. But it was, I had done a lot of the work previously with the pay up, so it wasn't as much. But, um, getting that out, and then when you try it, sometimes you run into something you hadn't thought of, even though you tried to think of it from a lot of different angles, or someone will give you uh, an idea, and then I'll spawn something. So playtesters sometimes have good um, give feedback. They they I'm not saying that they don't. They they often do, but sometimes there's like they'll say stuff that I've already considered, um, and then it's like don't I've I've come across before like you don't want people you don't want to seem like you're writing off their idea. Um, sometimes they've brought up stuff that is a great idea or I implement, and there's sometimes where um, I, I'll consider it, but I, I may not do it, and I hopefully they don't you know they hopefully they don't take it personal. You know you want to make a game that people want to play, but ultimately it's like. It's your game. Is it how you right. want it to be? Yeah. Um. So, but you you need it to work. There's a challenge with play designing, which I'm sure you can see. That let's say, let's say, I I I have this game, and then you play it, and you say, oh, uh, we run into an issue. I'm like, um, I'm not sure what to do with this situation. You say, hey, how about this? Oh, that you're right. That does fix that. And later on, I had this other part, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to use this module anymore. Uh, I'll use this new one. Um, I, um, but that rule that we made for that module I removed is still in the game. And, and then later on, you're like, wait, is it still necessary? And it may or may not be. So you change one thing, it can change a lot of things in a, in a, in a, in a play test. And um, it's good to try and play test any aspect, like even completely. But then, how often is someone going to actually do that when you're playing a game? Are they actually, for example, uh, I was telling you before about a game of Dominion where um, you can, if you haven't played that, it's a, a deck building game where everyone starts out with the same hand of cards. And then you uh, can, there's a, a store of cards on the table and everyone can get um, access to. And how I build my deck might be different than how you build your deck during the game. and he went with a big money strategy where like all he did was uh, get money um, to try and buy victory points, but he wasn't trying to do any more draw cards, get rid of cards, any action cards, stuff like that. And um, that, that can work in some games, but not in all. And there's usually a point where you have to, to switch, but with the play test, you might want to try every extreme, but that's not always replicative of uh, a real life situation. So, there's a lot of little things to take in consideration. Um, I like to play with other people because they might do something I didn't, but it's hard to get gamers together. And, yeah. and on top of that, it's hard to get people to maybe try something that's not published. And uh, especially if they don't know you or maybe that, you know, maybe they don't have faith in it or whatever. But I'm, I like to remind people every game was created by someone and they had to start somewhere with a prototype. And then, um, and then as a gamer, sometimes I don't even necessarily want to play my prototype if someone's got a shiny new game I want to try that right, I haven't yeah. played. But there's good in that too because the more games you play, the more different uh, experiences and, and rules and, and, and components and, and gameplay you get to experience yourself to draw upon what you liked and what you didn't or you borrow from. And... um. I mean, look at authors and musicians, you know, they, they are inspired and they borrow and use in their own way, uh, stuff 
from that they uh that they like and usually it's something good and then they create as long as you can create something uh different why do you want to create what otherwise just go out and buy the game that was just made uh unless you're just short on money and but yeah i mean so that's also why i try and do something different in that regards um have you looked into what it's going to take to publish a game like like what are what are the typical steps for that so um when you, once it, you have a, it sounds like to me it's just a matter of having money that it's part of it especially if you're going to self-publish uh you know you've got to get the distributor and the components and the artwork done um but when it comes to uh you, you get that prototype you get um maybe you can use game crafter or um some other service to uh you know get um a better quality uh prototype for yourself uh to send out now was the old style often to send to companies but now you can often do tabletop simulator um and then there's meeting them in um at a convention um demoing it playtesting there now here's something with demoing uh a tip that i've gotten um that you, you can like pre like program your deck basically like uh know what cards you want to showcase you could uh have them built um if it's if there's a de card deck in it involved or whatever you know you can pick out what pieces player abilities you want to use and just kind of set it up to show some interesting things of the game let them see how it works let them see the interesting thing but you don't gotta necessarily like be an extensive watch it play video now i like rodney smith um and i got to meet him and he actually remembered some comments or whatever that he uh highlighted or whatever on some of his vids but um i but so he he's very thorough and and um and that that's that's has its place but when it comes to like a you want to have like a what a 5 minute elevator pitch um and if you do a design speed pitch can't remember how much time i think it might have just been like up to 15 probably not more than that might have been less and so you know you got you want to have time to do your overview and then you maybe have some time to to do a little gameplay with them and then they have questions you want to have a sell sheet which I had mentioned before, like you might want some um, contact info. Um, what is different about your game? Um, like what is uh, what unique or uh, sellable, marketable, like uh, the theme, just the gameplay. So kind of bullet pointy. Um, they, uh, they'd like to be able to see how many components are in it. Like, cause they're thinking cost. Right. Um, and so, as a game designer, you might be thinking, oh, let's throw in all the modules, let's throw in all the pieces, you know, make a deluxe edition. That's great if you're on Kickstarter, if you want to have all the minis. But um, but what, if you're thinking about self-doing, uh, you're always thinking like a lean stack, like a lean business model. Like, what can I cut? What can I streamline? What, you know, um, if, is it a double-sided card? Is it, or, or things like of that nature. Um, yeah, uh, you know, if you use dice, that's less cards needed. Um, but then there's more randomness, and so the what you want to make the game fit what you want the game to do. Um, that was something I was thinking about with that the Arby Treasure expansion. Like, oh, uh, 
with the traveling, I could each spot would have to have its own little deck of cards if I uh, don't want something to repeat a lot. But if I want to have a lot less that I have to make and get a similar feel, and if it's not real important, maybe just have one card for you travel, roll a dice, and whatever the result is that triggers action. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I I think we kind of covered what it kind of takes. Um, networking is helpful. Um, you don't want to wait too long. I've done that. Um, but, uh, but you got to follow up and, um, you know, be respectful of the company. Um, some tips is, uh, try and plan out, maybe, uh, message people. If you're trying to meet up with a company or reviewer or whatever, before an event, if they're going to be there and you're going to be there, um, it's harder maybe at the actual event. They might have plans or busy. Um, a lot of people might. So you want to, they might not take it well. You know, they might be annoyed by that or irritated. That's one thing to avoid if you can help it. Um, but, you know, sometimes you got to make stuff happen for yourself uh, too. But we got, you know, just that business relationship and communication. If you want to try and, if it's favorable for you. I'm sure it'll be better than um, if it's in passing moment and things like that. So communication like that, follow up. Um, there's YouTube videos for more tips. Uh, I've watched them. There's podcasts uh, like we're doing <laughs> um, that can give you uh, tips for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I um. I went to Gen Con, I believe it was last year. Time is such a blur with what we do, but I, I'm pretty sure it was last year. And um, Especially with COVID, those years just yeah. put together. Like the other year, or was it a few years ago? <laughs> it, it was, it, I, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost certain it was last year. And um, that was, demoing the board games was my favorite part. Um, and talking to the people who, like, were showing off board games that were to come i remember there was this one and it it's been so it's been a while so i don't remember the specifics but um there's this one that it was basically done and he was just like demoing it like it was going to be coming out within like the next few months of the time and like all of his materials were super nice like the the board wasn't even a board it was like made out of like the same stuff that um like mouse pads are made out of oh neoprene yeah and like that the borders were stitched and like there were these like like divots that you would have to put tokens inside of and and like the edges of those were all stitched real nice too i really wish i could remember what that game was but then we also sounds like it might have been something like too many bones maybe i don't know uh, then there was this other one, I can't remember what it was called, but, like, it had several different, there, there weren't expansions, but they were, like, different themes of the same game, and, like, they were doing this, like, Wild West version that was about to come out, and they were uh, demoing it, and, like, you had, like, they had, like, four characters set up, and it, it's going back to what you were saying about, like, how they had the deck built pre to show off certain cards and like you were basically going down into this mine and like you had to make a choice of where, where, where you wanted to go but then there were like monsters down there too so like it was it was kind of cool because it, it felt like a dungeon crawler 
but like with this wild west theme so like i'm using my 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 pistol to kill this monster and the and, and a mine shaft i'm like this is really cool sounds like was it maybe deadwood or um something like brimstone brimstone yeah. that's what it was it was nice. brimstone <laughs> yeah i've seen that i played some of deadwood before a co-worker of ours jay's a, a game master for like pathfinder and yeah, he's, I played Pathfinder with him on Roll Twenty with I, him and CJ. All right, yeah, and I, I've I've done an experience with Deadwood. That was an interesting game. They used um, poker chips uh, with the gameplay, and but it, I don't remember too much about it. But um, yeah, it's kind of neat when you throw in like a game, like a dungeon crawl, you might think, and then you throw in a different theme, like the Wild West or something, steampunk Wild West or whatever. Right, and then, um. I the shopping is really cool. Um, I have to take some pictures of it for the Instagram. But I picked up those coasters that are right there beside you. They're all different themed for like classes for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I see that now. And then um, like there's uh, you know, dice and but like my my favorite part of going to Gen Con, and I never get tired of telling this story. And 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 people who've listened to any anything i i tell this story all the time i told it in the last episode with, that i talked about um board games with roy but um i went to go i wanted to buy gloomhaven proper because uh, a friend of mine got me jaws of the lion for my birthday that year and um if you don't know jaws of the lion is a smaller more compact cheaper version but it's also a prequel to gloomhaven proper so I wanted to buy that, so I went to the um, booth, and they were giving out free stuff, too, so I like, I got a poster, and the guy was like, hey, Isaac's over there running the cash register if you want him to sign it. They're all wearing the publisher shirts, the uh, Cephalofair, I think it's called. Hold on, let me... Uh... Yeah, I think that's how you say it, Cephalofair. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't know why I would want some random, like, worker from the company like the publisher to sign my thing and i talked to the guy because like nobody else's but like gloomhaven even today is still expensive so there wasn't a like a long line like, big old game hundred dollar price tag yeah well like when that. it was 180 dollars yeah. when it first came out you know, like <laughs> so, 150 so now it, now it's down to 100 so there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of people lined up to buy this game and um so i was talking to him number and, one on bgg for a time it's it's damn good i love it i love it it's my favorite board game but like i was talking to this guy he was super nice to me i bought um so i bought gloomhaven but i also bought um a replacement um map for jaws of the lion with removable stickers because you don't get that they come with stickers that you just put them on there on there forever because the the idea is that you're only going to play this game once really but you could buy replacement parts if you wanted to play it again. Um, so, and then he gave me some like bonus quests and stuff. And he ended up being a really nice guy. And then I get home and I'm putting up my poster and it's, it says Isaac on the, on the poster. And I'm like, I had a conversation with the creator of my favorite board game and did not even fucking went right over my didn't head. Didn't even get a selfie. Yeah. Didn't get a selfie. <sighs> Which I, I talked to a lot of board game creators that day, but like, this is my favorite fucking game, and I just like. Well, here's an interesting story for you. So, uh, 
and and it's a tip too. Um, if you're uh aspiring uh board game designer, or if you just want to be really cool and help out aspiring board game designers, and you want to volunteer your opinion and play test uh board game prototypes, there are uh groups that meet up, and there's nights um or sometimes they just happen at board game nights, but there are uh, dedicated um game design nights or prototype uh days at some game stores like Epic Loot in Dayton um or the Game Preserve in Indianapolis uh which one of the guys there Carl I can't remember his last name at the moment uh he is involved with Protospiel which I've gone to I went to one in Chicago first one I went to before or it might have been because of the dates but I might not have known about the Indianapolis one then <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then they had an Indianapolis one. And um so I brought that up because he, Isaac apparently, has gone to those or they know him and they've they play tested Doomhaven before it was made and created. And so uh yeah, I'm I guess he's from around the Indi- Indianapolis area, which I honestly I didn't realize that before. That's and cool. and yeah, so I've I've associated with some people that have play tested the game before it was published and, and have access to know him. So maybe there might be an opportunity to maybe get some sort of connection there. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. If I, if I go to Gen Con again and I see him again, I'm not going to, I'm going to first, first of all, I would apologize for not even knowing who the hell he is, but also, right. he doesn't know who you are. Also, yeah, he doesn't know <laughs> but also I'll get my damn poster. So <laughs> he doesn't know yet. But when he's on your podcast, then he'll know. <laughs> Maybe someday I'd like to get more creators on on the show because, like, um, I see this podcast leaning more towards the tabletop side of it. Like, we talk about video games here too, but like, where my my interest is is really the board game side. The video game side of it, I like, but that's more for my co-host Xavier. So, like, we keep we try to keep the balance. Um, but like the first like four episodes were all video games. So, so why is that, that your interest has, um, is shifting or has shifted? Um, I think it's mostly because like, I just don't like video games anymore. Huh? Why? I just don't like, maybe, maybe they've become too much. Like too much, too many actions, buttons. Too many They're side quests. Kind of. Hours um, of gameplay. Trash talk. <laughs> I I don't know. I've never been the kind of person to want to sit down and play a video game by myself, really. Um, and that's never been a problem for me because, like, me and my friends growing up, we would um we would just all gather up at each other's houses with our own consoles, set up a TV. We'd all be playing single player games, but we'd be doing it together in the <laughs> same room. And anytime something cool would be happening, you'd be like, hey guys, check this out. That's and like, they would do the same thing. Or sometimes. It's like playing two player Mario Brothers, the original yeah. NES, where it's like, you gotta take turns. That's not really a two player game. <laughs> but, um, or sometimes we would be playing the same game. And if they found something that was really cool, they would, like, it, like when we were playing Skyrim, we played Skyrim for like six years straight. And there's a lot to explore in that world. And they'll be like, hey, check this out. 
oh, where did you get that? Oh, go to this part of the map. And since, you know, I've gotten older and, like, you know, I'm a dad and, and, and I got three kids and stuff, I don't gather with my friends like that so much anymore. But, and, and when I do, it's easier to set up a, a board game than it is to set up five TVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, TVs today are so big, they, it'd be easy to split screen. Yet the irony is they often don't. It's yeah. you sitting at home playing online against someone. Yeah, yeah, actually, I just wrote a blog post about that. It's, <laughs> it's on the website. And before we're all squinting to see like a <laughs> four screen on a on a twenty inch TV. Yeah. So uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Do you got anything you want to plug? I know you just started your um Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Um, so JK. JK's Games is uh, a Facebook page I made for it, and the Facebook URL could be, um, well, it's facebook.com slash JK's B Games. Okay. And yeah, that I've put all a photo of all the prototypes, and I've linked my Storytimed and Darby Treasure pages there. Um, yeah, and I wanted to add uh, my thoughts, if you mind, real quick on the video gaming. So, like, what you said. Um, I know for me, uh, I remember one time I was playing X2 Wolverine's Revenge. This is back with the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to this part. It was a snow level. There was this bridge. Um, I just remember I kept dying. And it was very frustrating. And I spent too long on that. And I was like, this is starting to feel like work. And I was playing this for fun and to relax. Yeah. So sometimes that, that can be an issue. That's, that's a lot of why I don't really play modern games a whole lot anymore. Because, like, they stressed me out. Like I couldn't play a Souls game. Right. What's I don't doesn't really um track me. It should be fun. Now I've I've never been like really the easy. I'd want to play normal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny. I heard this other view like on a YouTube video that's like games are supposed to be fun. So who's hating on someone playing easy if they're having fun doing that? Do that. Yeah. Or, exactly. Like oh that's a different way of looking at. No, it, it's but, not yeah. to say that I don't play video games at all anymore. It's just like I tend to gravitate towards stuff that's a little easier or I'll just play stuff that I've played before like I play Ocarina of Time at least once a year. Oh great. That's fun. Like it, that game is like that game is 24 years old now. Wow. I've play I play it at least once a year since it came out. Great. And my most recent playthrough of it I did it on Twitch. I did it as a randomizer, which means like all the items were shuffled. So like for for me, for instance, where like it, you you would start off with the sword, so in the treasure chest where the sword was was something different. I got the Goron bracers out of the out of the out of that treasure chest. Nice. But then like okay, I I could do some of the first temple, but I don't have the slingshot, so oh. I can't can't finish. I can't do that dungeon. Yeah. But like certain roadblocks are unlocked. So like okay, well let's go to a different dungeon. You know you and then like. The Deku scrubs that would sell you like Deku sticks for ridiculous prices. They would sell you items that you would find like useful items instead. Hey. So it's like, okay, well, ten hours later, hey, I finally found the slingshot. Now I could go finish the first dungeon. So is that a on a PC mod or something? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah, it's called Ship of Arcadian. They they I'll show it to you when we're done recording. But they they've enhanced the graphics. It, it runs at like sixty FPS, which is fucking nice and you could play it as vanilla ocarina of time if you wanted to but i'm like 
randomizer. But like basically it's like playing Zelda 1 if Zelda 1 was Ocarina of Time. You have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and you're just wandering around trying to find all the secrets, trying to find that item so you can finish what you're supposed to be doing. That gives a little bit of exploration to the game, which made yeah. it fun. It Again, makes so, you yeah. play the game different. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that and then like when you're playing a long game or if there's a lot of side quests and then you step away from it and come back and you're like, I don't remember what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Or I don't remember all these control um like in let's say arkham city um all the skills that i had learned like i don't remember all the button coordinations i feel like i gotta relearn it now granted i still gotta do that with some board games i know if i've been a long away from it so long when you play a lot of games then it's hard to remember you know the rules for all the games so there's some of that still with board gaming but i like the social aspect that was a big thing you know Mm -hmm. i used to get together play fighting games with people and uh and you're right there with them and now um yeah with just online solo play it's convenient if they're not around or just for a minute but when you get together um people uh, i like to say what do they do you know they 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 talk or they play sports or they jam but not everyone does those things or they watch a movie but when you do it you're not really interacting right and so what else is there to do board games exactly um, I, I write about this in my blog post that I think online gaming saved the board game industry huh. because, like you said earlier, when we were teenagers, you're a little older than I am, but why play a board game when we could play a video game? <laughs> now, because online gaming is the most dominant uh, aspect in the gaming industry, there people aren't getting together to play video games anymore, but People still want to get together. They don't make games anymore, really, where you can get together physically. I mean, there are some, like your Mario Karts, your Mario Parties, your party games, basically. But there are a slew of board games that you can play. Yeah, and, uh, well, expense can be an inhibitor. Unfortunately, with the hobby games, you know, they cost more than your mass market games. But uh, when you look at video games... Look at the systems. Like, that's a whole yeah. other cost. So well, that's What I've noticed is you're, unless you're buying something over the top like Gloomhaven, your average cost for a board game is 40, 40 to 60 bucks. That's, that's the average cost of a AAA video of game. A, of a, yeah, and for a hobby game. At least when the game's first released. Yeah. Like, and I've picked up some great games that were dirt cheap, actually. And I, I forgot to mention it when you were talking about... Um, here we go. We're, I, I meant to wrap this episode <laughs> up, but we keep going. But I want to. I want to. We're going to wrap this up after I make this one last point. Um, you were talking about you don't like the games that are what? What did you call them? Situational, where like you were talking about. Um, you were talking about uh, Cards Against Humanity. Oh, subjective. Subjective. Yes, I actually have a game that is kind of a subjective game, but you would like it better than Cards Against Humanity. It's called Super Fight. Have you ever heard of that? I think we might have played that one time. I think we did. I know you came and played games with us once. Yeah. But um, basically, you get a, a person or people or group. You get, like, a weapon. And, and there's something else. But basically, two people get this really outrageous, like, uh, basically, fighter. And they have to argue why they would beat the other person. And I think that's better 
because you're getting to present your case to the judge rather than the judge being like, oh, that's a funnier thing, so... So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, that's a little bit along the lines of like snake oil, which I do like better than apples to apples. Yeah. Where have you played that game? Um, no. I oh, well, basically yeah. you're just you're given uh two different things like a situation like you pair them together to make a product or service or whatever and then you have to sell it to a judge, but the judge has like let's say I might get um a shelter and missile um, and, and, and I have two other cards, but let's say I chose those two missile and shelter and you're, uh, you are a, um, yeah, you're a, uh, a zombie. So like you get to choose as the judge or are you a zombie or you're a cheerleader or something, you know, oh, okay. and so let's say that you're a zombie. And so I have to sell you whatever I put together and make some sort of product service. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just do it real quick. Like you want. The, you want the shed missile so that when your survivors that you're hunting down are inside the shed, you could use the shed missile and then you could have easy access. And, oh, you know, other okay. people do, and then you choose. So it's a little more involved that way. But I see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a good long talk, but it was good. Yeah. It was good. Like my the episodes that I have with, uh, uh, like, I I don't know if I do this on purpose or or if it just coincidence. When it's me and Xavier, we'll talk for about 45 minutes. But when I have a guest, it usually lasts like an hour, 15, hour and a half. We might so, need this to be a two-parter. Maybe. No, <laughs> no, I'm good on that. I don't care how long it is. I'm not one of those guys that are like, oh, I need to have it at 40 minutes because that's what SOE likes. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't care about SOE. I care about making, making a show that I like to make. And if people don't want to listen to it, that's fine. I don't care. So, but but yeah, you're right. It's it's funny how we've kind of went full circle from like bo- board game to like video game to our board game industry is growing, and uh, yeah, and but other things like that too, right? Yeah. Like t- cassettes are coming back or what? Like yeah. then small, but probably more collective. But it's funny how the more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah, or revert even. Yeah, we just were talking- give it time. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you can find all of our socials. We are table to TV on everything. I'm I'm pretty sure I have social media for everything for the for the podcast, and it's all table to TV. Uh, if you want to email, it's table to TV pod at gmail dot com. Uh, check out table to TV dot com. Uh, it, it's our website. Uh, I mentioned it uh, in the last episode that it's up and running. Um, there's, there's some cool, we got some blog posts on there. Uh, I do a creator spotlight. Um, and there's an about me page. Uh, it, it's, uh, soon we're going to do you doing affiliate links on there. We're, I'm, I'm going to build uh, a page for affiliate links for episode five. Um, all the board games that me and Roy talked about. So we got some cool things coming up in the future. Um, I think this episode's going to air around Christmas time, I believe. So, uh, everybody, I hope you have um, good holidays, whichever holiday you celebrate during December. Uh, Be safe out there, and uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Uh, Thanks for being here, Jake. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yep. See you later.